0: So, hey, everyone, we're about to jump into our episode with Tom Singler on tales and practice consulting. We did have some minor audio issues. Not too bad. Please bear with us because it's an excellent episode and well worth your time. Let's get into the episode.
1: Welcome to The Whole Truth, where two wholesalers help financial professionals build great practices and thrive in a rapidly changing industry. We'll bring you the stories and voices from those on the front lines of this change, and we'll have some fun along the way. We're building
0: a community of financial professionals who are growing, forward-thinking, and want to get better. Thanks for listening and contributing to the discussion.
2: The views expressed herein are those of the
0: participants and not those of Touchstone Investments.
2: We are joined by Tom Singler, Manager of Investment Strategy Specialists at Touchstone Investments.
0: And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side, And from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Kurt Dupuy. And we have Tom Singler
1: back. Tom. Very
3: special guest. Welcome. Thanks, Thanks for having you- me again. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. First time around, you were on the show and we covered a bunch of practice management topics. We're going to do the same today. What we're going to do is an episode called Tales in Practice Consulting. So the backdrop is simple here. All of us um, at Touchstone, but certainly the three of us on the call, we are involved in all these what you would call practice consulting engagements. And we've been doing this for years and years. And when you do it for that long, turns out You learn things, even Tom, even you learn things, Tom, which is great. So we're going to reflect on those learnings a little bit. And we're going to talk about in these practice consulting engagements, what has worked, a couple of things that have worked, a couple of common challenges. And then hopefully, you know, the audience comes away with all that, all that wisdom, you know, just the good singular wisdom. Think of the hundreds of hours of cumulative
1: practice consulting experience that is, is about to be whittled down into
0: a very short podcast episode. Before we even get into that and the initial part of the show, I should remind everyone, if you don't know, which many of you don't, Tom Singler is the person in our organization that we go to when we need a recommendation on on basically anything. So if you need, for example, a nice polo shirt and you don't know like who's making the best polo shirts you call tom and that could be anything it could be like like a car it could be a you know a golf club it literally anything the guy can do it
3: yeah i think uh, i think after my last appearance there was a, a question about a crepe myrtle and so we we <laughs> found some fertilizer as well to uh make sure the tree is looking good that's
1: true gardening we, we talk about
0: gardening and landscaping and anything Tom, what has got you excited lately? What you know, when you pick up the phone and you're browsing doing your what I would call singular research, what what's gotten you fired up lately?
2: Uh I've
3: been in been in the market for for a new vehicle. So uh Ooh, right now top of minus cars. Uh and always the uh perennial powerhouse is always always golf clubs. So what what cars
0: are you looking at? What are you thinking?
3: I'm a I'm a recent recent uh Purchaser of a new vehicle, well, used, but new to me, as they would say. Uh, I went with the the BMW X5. Ah, and why did you make that selection, Thomas? Uh, First and foremost, the engine, the B58 as is the model in that vehicle. Um, Voted the best engine in the world two years in a row. Um, Also, Toyota just put in the new Supra, so it's kind of a stamp of approval from Toyota. Um, Also, I was trading in my old BMW, and they gave me the same amount that I paid for it four years ago. Beautiful. So you know, free, free car.
0: Unbelievable that he had like a real legit answer to that. Like, if someone asked me, like, why did I buy my Telluride, I'd be <laughs> like, "Cause it liked it. It
3: looked, mm-hmm. it looked nice." <laughs> Comptinger told me to. That's right. That's also the main reason.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we'll 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 try to get some some other recommendations maybe uh, throughout the show from you. Anyways, let's get into the episode. So again, the premise is all these practice management engagements. What's worked? What hasn't? As you think about this, what jumps off as something that really works?
3: Yeah. So as we, we go through these practice consulting, practice management engagements is identify where we can move the needle. And what we look to do in terms of that is optimizing the, the team or FAs time, revenue, and risk. Um, and really the baseline to, to move those three needles in in correlation is understanding the value of their time. And once we understand what their time is worth and where they're spending that time, where they're allocating that energy and resources, we can usually be, be quite effective in, in maximizing and then optimizing the, their time, revenue, and risk.
0: I often start a few presentations with, you know, what's your most precious commodity? It really is just time. Like that to me is, you can almost put that above everything. And if you don't mind, I'll jump into my first one of what's worked that's probably related. I had number one on the list, cutting households. I have never seen an fa a team cut households and then afterwards say i really wish i didn't do that like Mm -hmm. never it's never happened well but there's competing emotions there right like because
1: you hear the comments like oh well mrs smith doesn't have a lot of money i i I I know like they're not an a client but she's been with me 20 30 years and so like you have the the pride of running a really high-powered business it's like look She's probably better served somewhere else or in some other way. But that's a really, that's a really tough thing
0: for people to do. I totally get it. You evaluate whatever portion that you want to look at. But the bottom line is there's a big portion of the book. If you're like the average, it's not really paying you uh, for your time, uh, or what your time's worth.
3: Yeah. You actually stole my number two, which was Supernova Works. And so, yeah, it's it, echo your your original opening line with no one's ever regretted it. As an anecdote, we recently worked with a team in, in the Boston area, and they actually shed 80 households over a six-month period, um, which represented about 25% of the households. Um, but they brought in, in that same time period, by spending more time, allocating more resources towards the top end of the book, with the ability to move the needle there, um, 80 million net new assets. And so it was almost like a one-to-one ratio of millions into door the households that left. Yeah. Now, they were able to find a junior FA in the office to to partner with to, to take over those responsibilities. So it wasn't a, you know, kind of cut them off. But nonetheless, they had way more time in the day to allocate that that energy resources to the, to the relationships that had the ability to grow. Not everybody may know, even though we've talked about in prior
0: podcasts, we know that Everyone listening has listened to every one of our episodes, but to refresh on Supernova, it was a concept. It was a book. Rob Knapp wrote it. Um, was it the 90s or mid-2000s? It's like I late 90s, or think. You need to shrink to grow. So like a Supernova, you, you, you narrow down, you focus on more on what matters, and then the growth becomes you know more exponential. That's what Tom's alluding to there. So Kurt, well, how about one from you? What about what's worked in your end? This first example, I'll call the aha
1: moment team. Mm-hmm. Right. So, practice consulting by definition requires a lot of data, right? There's a lot of information. Um, the real art of this, however, is telling a story, really understanding what the problem is, and the data is just supporting that end. We have this tool called the client service calculator, which You input a bunch of assumptions on how much it takes. Let's say you do have three tiers. You're not supernova. You have three tiers of service, kind of three different archetypes of clients. You make some assumptions on how much it costs in time to service those folks. And then it kind of spits out, do you have more time to grow or do you not? And so that's one of the kind of revelatory processes we go through to show folks that they don't have time. And so I was going through this particular exercise with a really good client. The problem we were solving was they just felt like everything was reactive. They couldn't they couldn't build any kind of proactive service model because they didn't have time to get their head above water. And so we went through this exercise and not only was there a, a material deficit, at the same time, we were talking about like, what is ideal service? Like if you could just snap your fingers and craft this beautiful service model, what would that exist? That it would have doubled their workload. And so, but seeing it in black and white, in the, the nitty gritty quantifiable detail, I saw the look on their face and, and they are like, oh, like this is why we feel like we can't get our head above water. When you see that data materialize in a facial expression or a moment, I love those moments working with teams.
3: The average we see when going through that calculator for the first time with a team or FA is negative 440 hours. Wow. So the thing about that, the average team or FA is over-promising 11 weeks of their time. You simply don't have enough time to do it. Um, so do you want to work more? Do you want to hire somebody else? Do you want to provide them less service? Do you want to spend less time per activity? Or do you want to you know, identify some relationships that are maybe better suited somewhere else? Um, and those are really the levers you have to pull, but the calculator identifies that immediately. I'm going to add
0: one thing to this on the positive side. Like, What does this mean, the opportunity for everybody in the industry? It is easy to differentiate on the service side because what they're describing is what most teams are set up with, which is that we want to do this client, this amazing client service. We want to deliver this experience, but structurally it's almost impossible for, for most to do it. So if you are one of the FAs that can get your time under control and just do the little extra things. You can do things that keep clients forever. And I know everyone listening is experiencing that when you when you have the opportunity to do that little extra thing to go the extra mile and you're like, oh, this client's never leaving. Okay, I'll jump into number two because I stole yours, Tom, on what works. I've experienced a lot of false starts in practice consulting. Meeting with the team, we all agree where they want to go. Everyone's excited. We've got the action plan in place. we got the recurring meetings in place. Let's go and take action. And then you come back in. And, you know, th- there's some movement, but, you know, there's some, that's actually, you know, common. Very. And so my main, and you don't want that to be ongoing forever. Like, don't mishear me that you could just not do the work, but you're busy people and there's going to be some false starts. My takeaway of what's worked is an ongoing relationship with an external or the right internal third party is what's really going to work. I have an ongoing relationship with somebody that keeps things moving because there's likely it's going to be some false starts along the way.
3: The better way to maybe put that into one sentence is you need to have an accountability coach. Yeah. And really what we've seen too, to help offset the false starts is now what we're doing is we're making the duration between check-ins shorter at the front end. So if we do have a false start, we're not waiting a longer period of time to identify what the issue is. So- Maybe after the original meeting, it's a one-week check-in, and then it's a two-week check-in, then we go to three weeks, so on and so forth. So um, just seeing your name on the calendar for a five-minute phone call um, usually prompts some activity uh, because they don't want to get on that, that call and tell you they didn't do what they were supposed
1: to do. This actually falls in line with another one of the teams or the moments that I wanted to describe, and I will call this the tough love team. So one of the things that kind of opening up your practice to showing us the data and helping you know us analyzing it is it kind of empowers us to have different conversations than we otherwise would be able to have. The one I'm thinking of recently is a very common question that we get asked is like, what's working for client acquisition? Yep. Um, I mean, maybe not daily, but at least weekly, we get asked that question. And there's a fun trick, fun game I like to play to kind of throw that back on whoever's asking, it's like, well, what are you doing now to grow? And when I get crickets, I, I, you know, we we have to th- step back and kind of have some tough love, right? Yeah. Because you're you're what you're asking me is like some silver bullet where we can snap our fingers and and change the outcome. The reason you're not growing is because you're not doing anything for growth, right? Like pick a path <laughs> and go down it. What practice consulting does is it re- it puts a relationship in a microwave and allows you to be more candid more quickly. Yeah. Like that's the conclusion of my TED talk.
3: I think, too, to, to Kurt's point, pick a path and stick with it more than three weeks. The constant I see towards acquisition specifically is, you know, it's, well, we tried it, it didn't work. Well, how long did you try it for? Well, we gave it two weeks. Well, why <laughs> don't you give it six months or a year? Love it. And I have something
0: to add here, but I'm going to hold because I'm going to leave it for the sec- the section of common challenges because it's related
3: to what we just discussed.
0: Okay, Tom, do you have one more on what's worked?
3: Where I see a big blind spot with a lot of teams right now is the value proposition towards acquisition, right? So if you're talking to a prospect or even your, your A's as to, you know, what you're providing, the ability to have a rehearsed defined value proposition as to why they should be with you uh, versus the guy down the street or the guy down the hall um, or, or, you know, gal is a a big missing link there. Um, And so if we think about the three things that, you know, you could control within the value proposition of, quality of the output relationship you know speed uh, of re- resolution and the, and the cost you can generally speaking you have two of those but not all three but having a actual value proposition as to why you or why your team is something that is a, is a big missing link when it comes to finding and identifying net new households net new assets and we have some presentations within an acquisition that, that go through the ideal value proposition as opposed to you can call me anytime versus you know, if you call me, you're going to have a response within one hour and resolution within 24 hours, right? So um, the specificity as to what you provide, I think, is a a missing piece as opposed to the nonchalant, oh, you can give me a call anytime. You know, I may or may not answer, but you can definitely call me. Um, So uh, just having that detailed um, availability or resolution service things of that nature really play well.
0: Yeah, and I'll just put a, a cherry on top of this by saying, you know, and the value proposition should be about them. So a lot of value propositions are about who we are, you know, what we can do, our capabilities. If you can't bring it back to what that actually means, then it's it's less impactful. So you think about what Tom just said. It's not about, hey, I have all these uh, members of the team that can return your calls. It's like, no, here's what you can expect when you call in. This is one of my favorite rants in in
1: this business because my first job out of school was selling appliances. And so the acronym uh, FAB was kind of drilled in my head, like features and benefits. We love to talk about features in finance, like, you know, it's got all these bells and whistles, but we never talk about the benefit, which actually means to the person receiving the
3: information. Don't say I or me a lot. I mean, obviously some sentences need to have that in there, but- if you focus on the the you aspect when when presenting, it's a whole different uh, – I think we fall into that too. Focus on the incline and what it means to them, not not what you are doing, what it means to them. It's a great point. All right, Kurt, do
0: you have any uh, – You, I think you were talking about three teams. Do you have one more for us? Yeah. So my
1: third – I'm just going to call it the family team. So this – you know, what works with practice consulting is when you are – when you get on that inner circle – you sort of become family, like I, I and family might be a stretch, right? But it's when you're greeted with hugs at least down in the South. You've worked with folks for a number of years. you've helped them with multiple projects through multiple configurations of their team. like that's that that's what works, right? When you have a trusted uh, resource, which
0: which I think is what we're aspiring to be. Okay, so I'll throw one more of what's worked. Teams that I've seen make a lot of progress. They have someone on the team that's kind of focused or coordinating the execution piece, right? So, all the team is involved, but that one person is the one that's responsible for driving that change. I've seen that work a lot. I want right. to add a caveat to this, though, and then you guys can comment. Um, if that person is the only one on the team involved, like the only one, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you know, John's doing it or Sally's doing it, and no one else is engaged, that's a pitfall. So we want somebody that's focused on execution that can help drive this change, but you also have to have some involvement and some buy-in from the rest of the team.
3: You need kind of the COO within the the practice management realm, and whether that's you know a real title or not, they're they're going to head up this this piece of the operations where we want to you know, move the business. You need to have somebody that's going to be within the team that takes charge, as opposed to us being the only accountability factor. But it also needs to be somebody within the team that you're going to provide that ownership with, where if it's, you know, Steve's on the team, Steve tells me to do something, I, I'm not just going to tell Steve no. Um, and so it, it is a, a tightrope to walk as to who's the best person that has the time and capacity to do it, while also the rest of the team members giving them the respect and ownership of that duty let's just take junior partners for example because how many meetings have we got
0: in that you got fAs you got junior partners the junior partners are hungry they want to grow they want to drive change they want to help the business right so senior financial professional will just say says okay you know the junior partner is going to be responsible for for this initiative okay that's great if the senior partner then just kind of goes washes their hands of it that's less great. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you need someone driving, but you also need some, everyone's got to have be bought in to some degree.
3: Yeah. What we've experienced too in the past is in the same situation where the senior, you know, lets the junior run with it, but then says, oh, by the way, you can't call any of the clients. And it's like, well, are you really yeah, giving exactly. them ownership then if they can identify it? But at the end of the day, if you're not going to pick up the phone and do what they can do or what you need to be done, um, we're really just, you know, identifying opportunities for you to sit on and, and never act on. Let's maybe jump into some
0: things that, that haven't worked. Do You want me to kick that off?
3: Yeah. There might be a few
0: rants going on here, Kurt. Be, be, be warned. This is- Sidebar. Um, yeah, we're going to might do the sidebar. No, I'll start with something pretty gentle, which is that you know, people that are not inclined for business development, it's really hard to then- get them to the point where they're we, they're going to be a rainmaker. And I've seen it over and over again. You got a person on the team, they're a financial professional. They deal with a lot of clients. Another part on the team's like, well, we really want to grow. We really want them to grow. They're not bringing in the new households. Let's develop a strategy. It can be done, but it's hard to just sort of mold a rainmaker. You know, that's not to say you can't have strategies, but it, to take someone who's completely not inclined to go hunt and make them hunt, I, I just... I don't see it. Um, I'll pause there. I have a solution for this, but but I'm curious of your guys' feedback.
3: Yeah, I think what I'm seeing most right now is is some of the firms are pushing towards teaming. And so there's a lack of roles and delineations of responsibilities as they form these new teams. And so we get a redundancy across the the newly formed team where it's um, some cases it's, you know, Teams in name only. Sometimes they're siloed books, but they you know sit next to each other in the office. Um, but if you actually want to be successful and grow, I think the understanding as to who does what well is is a big piece of that. Um, but just identifying roles and responsibilities and what that looks like is something that a lot of a lot of individuals, as they form the team, never do. What we know is if you have a successful
1: practice today. And let's say you've been in this business 20 years. What you've done the last 20 years to be successful is not what it's going to take the next 20 years. Yet we are largely playing by the same playbook of 20 years ago. Like cold cold calling is the easiest example of that. Um, But we're also at this watershed moment where we have generational differences meets technology where You know, the more senior folks want the younger people to do things the same way. And that's, it's just not going to be a recipe for success. You have to be more creative KPIs, personality assessments, Colby assessments, like like, all all of that's got to be part of it. But I also think there's some Simon Sinek in here too. Like when we, when I hear people say growth, like I immediately now I'm trying to train myself to think, why, why do they want to, what, what are we really solving for? Because in a lot of cases, growth is not actually the objective. In a lot of cases, it's human capital development. Like, I just want my junior person to be able to be a senior person and buy me out at some point. It's like, okay, well, then if that's your if that's your truth, say that. We, we or it's just I want more time to spend at the lake, or th- there's something else going on. Growth is a guise for uh,
0: a lot of things in this business, and it covers up a lot of errors. I think it's a great point. I mean, and you know, in my mind, it's not just to absolve them of generating new business or increased revenue or whatever it is. I mean, another way to think about that is like, okay, let's say we want to grow, but we're not going to do it the old way, as you described, which is pick up cold calls. Well, can we focus them on something that actually could be, could result in growth, but is more in their wheelhouse? And an easy example, which is we repeat over and over again is, you know, client experience. Okay. Okay partner X, your job is to go in and evaluate what our client experiences is today and take it to a whole different level. Right. And to do, right. Or to run our client events or to, you know, they can be involved. Great ideas. Yeah. They can be involved in business development growth, but they're not, you know, getting in a, starting to show up for random events and networking in ways that are just, they're spinning their wheels because this is one, the game has changed as you described, but two, they're not in, they're not that person, you know? You guys ready for a little rant here? I'm going to change subjects a little bit. And I would even put this into the, the most frustrating thing for me in this particular industry. You ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. I know you are. You love when I get all angry. Um, and we're going to move over to the portfolio consulting side. Our industry, as far as I can see, and you guys challenge me on this if you think I'm wrong, is set up in the following way. Wholesalers want to sell five-star funds to financial professionals who want to buy five-star funds and then complain when things underperform. <laughs> the table is yours.
1: So easy Google search, Morningstar Mirage, Wall Street Journal article from a several years ago, the data is there.
3: If you look at the study, five-star funds underperform the most because you bought them at the top and you end up selling them at the bottom, if you're going to buy a five-star fund, at least make sure that manager is consistently in the top half or top third of that peer group, as opposed to just you know, chasing the hot dot and, and finding somebody that lucky over the last five years. I think, too, it's, it's really interesting when you talk to financial professionals about their view on individual equities versus mutual funds. Oh, yeah. Why do we always buy individual equities at the bottom, but that's when we sell mutual funds, when we should be adding more? That's a great observation.
0: Absolutely. All right. um, Last common challenge for me, I think, in practice consulting, that's really been reflecting back has really been a struggle is operational processes and designing that. So, you know, I'll sit down with a team, they'll say, we want to design an onboarding process, or we want to design, you know, a client service process. The implementation is never as good as I want it to be. Um, Has that been a struggle for you guys, too? Or is that just me?
3: I would piggyback on that and say it's never as good as I wanted to be, or it needs to be, for the the team or or sole proprietor. Where uh, it's funny, and I know you have both heard this as well. How many times we go into meetings about practice management or business consulting, and they say, "All right, I really want to do X, Y, and Z. How do I do it?" There's a lot of a lot of them that are, are ideas, guys, and they never put it the pen to paper. And so when they try to repeat the process that worked for them five, 10, 20, 15 years ago, whatever it is, um, they don't have the documentation anywhere. Um, and so I think sometimes just sitting down and, and, you know, us being the, um, stenographer for the the team, if I want to do X, Y, and Z, what would the process be? Um, and then write it down and then ask somebody else for their input or identifying holes or, or opportunities to make it more, not complex, but thorough, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing how many people just don't actually sit down and write out what are the steps to do X, Y, and Z. Um, same thing with acquisition, right? What does your onboarding pipeline look like? Who are your current prospects? Where are their, their, you know, potential assets, where do they work? What's the benefits plan? Things of that nature. Um, things that m- us as a collective group now doing this for a decade plus think, you know, everybody has, but no one actually has one in place. Um, so I think just the ability to put pen to paper is a, is a huge tailwind here to become more effective. On this topic,
0: I want to point you to another episode we did, which was Liz Lenz part two. And she I brought this up to her and she really kind of brought to light a way to avoid some of these headaches in implementation, which I think was terrific. And she'll do a better job than me. But a couple of things she references, first implement a few pieces at a time as opposed to an entire process. So if you're designing an onboard process and we've got all these steps along the way, maybe do it a little bit as a time as to say, okay, we're just gonna you know, redo the whole thing and start on Monday. That's one of the things I thought was really good. The other thing that she referenced was really good was reflecting back after you actually do it. So it's one thing to say, okay, we wanna do this and back to onboarding step one is this step two is this step three. And with each of those steps, here's what we expect. Well, after you do them, maybe reflect back and say, does that make sense? Like, did that go as well as we thought, but don't, you know, let it derail improving an onboarding process. Cause you run into some small problem in one of the steps. I thought that was really insightful. Well, thanks, guys. I thought this was a pretty good discussion on on uh, you know what's worked and what hasn't in practice consulting, based on our our all of our engagements. And what's the takeaway of the audience? You know, after this, pick a couple of things, a few nuggets. There's got to be out of the out of the numerous things we threw at you a few things that will help you improve when you're trying to to make these changes or, or move the business forward. So we are going to uh, transition now to our Costanza corner. We will be right back. This is The Whole Truth. Stick with us. And welcome back
1: to the Costanza Corner, where we like to end the show on a high note. Side, I can't wait for your story.
0: I think I have a good one. So I just got back from French Polynesia, the 10-year anniversary trip. We hit four different islands. There's a lot of islands out there. I mean, just people think about Tahiti and Bora Bora. There are just tons of them out there. It's a very, very cool place to go, uh, and it's kind of secret. I feel bad saying it on this podcast, but it's not that much further than Hawaii, and but way less people go there. But one of the things that was a challenge for us that I didn't know prior was some of the islands have a little bit of a stray dog situation. so. Uh-oh. Uh Oh, yeah. And I thought I didn't know this because normally I'll research how many did you bring back? (laughs) (laughs) I'll research a place. And if I if I know that that's going to be the case, Becky and I just won't go because we'll spend all day going to the buffet or restaurant and feeding the stray dog. You know how it's going to (laughs) go. All right. I don't know how I missed it this time, but we're on we're on some island. It's, It's called Rangaroa it's it it's not even an island it's like a strip of sand if you want to look it up it's really funny it's called an atoll so it's just basically a strip of sand in the middle of the pacific ocean it was the fourth island we were at and you know uh, the past couple of islands we've kind of gotten we're feeding the dogs we're doing it but i could just tell that you know it's starting to get to my wife and so it's 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 becoming a problem you know so i i said okay really quickly i got to i got to focus her. You know, on something. And, you know, because you can't solve the whole problem, obviously. So you got to focus on one thing you actually can, right? So, yes, we did find... One dog that stuck st- that stood out <laughs> to us that was clearly not being taken care of by any because some of them were being taken care of loosely by people they just let their dogs yeah. live outside it's just a different viewpoint it's hard for for us to understand but like other places don't necessarily or maybe even see adopted by staff at the places or something
1: they yeah it's it's, them, it's throw them a bone
0: they don't look as good as the dogs in the U S when they live outside because right because they're a little mangy and things like that but. But in some, a lot of cases, they are being taken care of. Anyways, but one, you know, we decided and thought, and I think rightfully so, was not necessarily being, you know, taken care taken care of. So we're on this uh, strip in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, uh, and we've got to figure out how to get this this pup on a plane. Uh, back to Tahiti, how to, ca- how to capture it, how to get it back to Tahiti. Is there a person there and a vet that we can bring it to speak? By the way, everyone speaks French. So I call and, try calling a vet in Tahiti when you don't know <laughs> a lick of French, right? <laughs> Um, and I'll just, I'll land this plane. Cause this story could go a lot longer. Um, we, we got the dog to Tahiti. The, the people on the flight probably hate us. Cause you imagine how this thing smelled. I mean, it was bad. Right. And this is a backlight <laughs> oh, and it's crying the whole time, by the way. And, and we're just like, <gasps> okay. Oh, yeah. So we got him back. Thankfully we found a vet in Tahiti that is now boarding the dog, uh, because we got to get all these treatments done to be able to import it, you know, through the CDC and all this stuff. Right. It's like, for example, it has to be 28 days after they get a rabies shot before they can even go in. So that's a full month. So, um, so my wife in a couple of weeks is flying back to get our new dog Rango what? after after Rangoria, and uh, we got another one in the side family. That's that's <laughs> what I got. Good one. What oh it's just so
1: on brand. I I thought they that was the logical ending to this story, yeah. But I thought it's so illogical that it, it that can't actually happen. But sure enough, you come through. You you did land that plane. So so you have an adopted dog from French Polynesia now. Well, you will. Yeah,
0: not not here yet, but will. Um, oh my! And there's gosh. anyone who wants to hear the extended story. Please reach out. I'm happy to tell because there's a lot of funny details here. Like my, my wife riding around on an electric, electronic scooter around the island trying to find any dog carriers because there really <laughs> wasn't and found one like in the back of some small little grocery store on like on a <sighs> craziness. Oh, well, that's what I got. I'm out.
1: Congrats that's on the new story. addition
0: to the family. On that note, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks, y'all
1: you can find the whole truth and subscribe for free on apple Podcasts, spotify or your favorite podcast app we'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on apple Podcasts. it helps others find the show and for more episodes of the whole truth go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth that's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole
2: truth all one word fa is an acronym for financial advisor
0: Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a
2: registered broker dealer and member FINRA and SIPC. This commentary is for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal and fluctuation of value. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund carefully before investing. The prospectus and the summary prospectus contain this and other information about the fund. To obtain a prospectus or a summary prospectus, contact your financial professional or download and or request one at touchstoneinvestments.com resources or call Touchstone at 800-638-8194. Please read the prospectus and or summary prospectus carefully before investing.